By now, you've heard me talk about Baby Loves Tacos over 100 times, and that's because I've been doing so since this show started back in January 2019. Zach, Cat, Kaz, The Sandman, John Sandy, and the rest of the crew at Baby Loves Family are the real deal when it comes to good food. If you live anywhere near the Pittsburgh, PA area, visit their incredible shop at 4508 Liberty Avenue and check them out on Instagram at Baby Loves Tacos. Baby Loves Tacos, where everybody eats.
And welcome to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. Our adoration of the Minneapolis music scene is immense and it continues today. The track you just heard to start things off is from the new EP by Cindy Lawson entitled Don't Come Crying to Me, just released by our friends at Rumbar Records. Cindy joins us on the show to talk about her great band, The Clams, who disbanded 25 years ago, her long absence from the scene, and her blockbuster return. It's a great story. Check this out and we'll be right back. Being the big vinyl lover that I am, I'm proud to tell you about Joe's albums in their two locations. The original shop at 317 Main Street in downtown Worcester, Massachusetts, and their second location out in Western Mass at 5 Market Street, Northampton. Both of these shops are loaded with both new and used vinyl. It's hard to walk in either shop and walk out empty-handed due to their amazing collection of records and other cool goodies like t-shirts, mugs, posters, etc. If you can't find what you're looking for in the retail stores, check out their website, joesalbums.com. Thank you, Joe, for being so cool. It's no coincidence that we have had a bunch of cool people from the Minneapolis music scene on this podcast. And it's also no coincidence that the song Minneapolis by one of our favorite bands, That Dog, that great 90s band, That Dog, is one of our favorite songs. Anna Warnaker sings... I was at the Jabberjaw, cutest boy I ever saw. He was standing behind me. He was such a dream. He kept looking right my way. I want to see him every day. Randy told me where he lives in Minneapolis. Of course, I tried to find out what, uh, who that song was about, but only Anna knows. Uh, maybe if we ever get her on the show, she can tell us the whole story. I actually once met a beautiful girl in an alley near my Studio City apartment, and we had a lovely weekend together. She was from Minneapolis. In fact, I flew to Minneapolis to see her, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I guess my love for the Minneapolis music scene, I know, in fact, my love starts with Husker Du and the replacements, like most fans. And it continued on with Babes in Toyland, uh, Motion City soundtrack. And who doesn't love Prince, right? Twin Tone Records, Electric Fetus. It's been a great music town for a long time. And maybe that's why we've had four guests from that scene on the show. And Cindy Lawson makes it five. Something tells me there'll be more. So hold on and we'll be right back. Attention guitar players, I know you're out there. I have some exciting news for you. You ready? Put down that six string and listen. Stomp underfoot our handmade guitar pedals by fuzz-obsessed Matt Pascarella. Matt makes every pedal using quality new old stock, absolute and rare through whole components. I know you know what that means if you're a, you're a guitar player, right? Every pedal is also entirely hand-wired, tested, and ready to go. If you want high-quality handmade pedals, check out Stomp Underfoot at stompunderfoot.com. So my friend Lou from Rumbar Records, yes, Malibu Lou, Mansdorf, 
the pride of Queens, New York, that Lou, reminded me one day of how great the clams were, that outstanding all-female garage punk band from Minneapolis that started in the 80s and went into the 90s. And of course, that he had signed Cindy Lawson to Rumbar Records, and she would make a great host. <laughs> guest excuse me a great guest she could probably host the show better than me uh the dude was not kidding it took me two minutes to fall in love with cindy lawson that's about it it might take you less so here i am talking with cindy lawson So this is really starting to turn into kind of like a, a Minnesota podcast for me. Oh, because, yeah. Well, I've had uh, these are some of the people I've had on from Minneapolis. Lori Barbero from Babes in Toyland, everybody's awesome. best friend. Oh, uh, Greg Norton from Husker Du. Yeah. Scrunchies, which are a fairly new indie rock punk band. And then this up and coming band called Loki's Folly. Yep. Yep. And now we have the great Cindy Lawson. Oh, I I love all those people you just talked about. That's that's fantastic. I'm so glad you got to meet them and talk to them. Yeah, Lori Barbero, I'm sure you know her if you've been in the music scene there. She's just something else that one, I'll tell you. She she it was kind of uh she cried during the podcast. It was kind of hard for me because she I, I could relate to what she was crying about her band, you know, and what has happened with the singer and everything, you know, and it's just really hard to, but it's one of my most yeah. popular shows. Yeah, no, I've known Lori since the mid eighties. Um, she is, she's just so cool but so down to earth. I mean, she's done yeah. so many things. She's, I mean, not only, you know, wish, you know, she's like a big world famous star, but she also had a record label. She was producing other bands and managing other bands. She just, she's all about, um, she was all about getting the good stuff out there and and just a kind and sweet and lovable person. And yeah, I'm so glad you got to meet her. It's amazing that she was Courtney Love's assistant. Yeah. Me, well, me, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I don't know how much she told you, but yeah, that that was like crazy. Seems like it would be the most difficult job in the world to have. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. So before we talk about your uh, your break from music and your comeback, I want to go all the way back here. Uh, did you grow up right in the city of Minneapolis? No, I grew up in Bayport, which is a smaller town um, south of Stillwater. Most people know where Stillwater is. It's kind of a historic little town on the St. Croix River. And Bayport was an even smaller town south of it. And it was a factory town. It's where they had the Anderson Windows factory. So every day at 7 and 3, 7 a.m. and 3 p.m. and 11 p.m., you couldn't drive down the one main street we had because that was when the shifts change, you know. Oh. So everything kind of shut down for a good half hour while all the traffic went through. 
Um, we did. I we don't we don't even have a stoplight in in Bayport. At least I don't think. So. I mean, they may have now, but as what I remember is that yeah, it's it's very very small. Um, really sweet little town. Um, was your family was your family into music? I mean, do you remember when you first started listening to music? Well, my mother. And, and older siblings used to play piano, but then oh. we moved into a different house and there was no room for the piano. And that was when I was a baby. So I never got to learn to play piano um, when I was growing up, which I think would have been, you know, I mean, water under the bridge, but I, you know, piano is like such a basis for, for so much music. Anyway, um, my older siblings who were 10 years and plus older, all listened to, you know, they had Motown and my sister, especially all the Beatles stuff, my brother, all the Beach Boys stuff. Um, I remember my, my brother, standing in the living room with the hairbrush and singing you know to the beach boys and herman's hermits and stuff like that um so you know i i was born in 61 so i absorbed all that really heavily um just loving loving the whole you know all the specter you know phil specter stuff and and motown and all that stuff and then when I was an adolescent and teenager myself, it was the 70s. So it was all the oh. glam stuff. Um, but then, of course, I have a huge soft spot in my heart for Linda Ronstadt and the Carpenters and uh, that music. So, so yeah, that's, that's, um, that's where it all came from. Yeah, the 70s, you know, I'm also a product of the 70s, you know, and I loved being a teenager yeah. in, in the 70s because so much was going on back then, you know. Pete, you try to explain to people what 1977 was like, and it's just almost uncomprehensible this day and age that so no. much could happen. When did you start playing the guitar? Well, I was in, um, I started an all-female band in 1985 in Minneapolis and is this the clams you're talking about yeah yeah and I I picked up the guitar I decided I wanted to play guitar you know I um um I had done singing in bands before and had written some but realized that really if you want to get your point across fully you, you kind of have to present your idea, you know, on a good framework and, and learning guitar helped me do that. And uh, yeah, so that was, you know, 85, we were active from 85 to 89. Yeah, I was definitely going to talk to you about them because I, in a second, I just want to ask you though, um, you said 61, so I'm just doing the math here. So I'm assuming you graduated around 79, 80. Mm -hmm. So what did you do between then and 85? Did you go to college or? I, I went to college. I was a single mom. Um, I 
like I said, I was um, singing, you know, covers and some cover bands, but, you know, it was like starting in, in 78 in Minneapolis, there was, I mean, I was still too young to get into the bars because it was 21, but um, like friends would sneak me in to the Longhorn, which I'm sure, you know, Greg and, yeah. and Lori told you about. Yeah. Um, the Longhorn was the place to be um, and got to see bands like the Suburbs, um, who are actually still playing to this day, which is pretty amazing. Um, so, yeah, so I just, I really... It took me a while to decide what I wanted. And I I guess it it just took me um it it just took me time to to figure out what I really wanted to do and to find the people I wanted it wanted to do it with. I ended up putting an ad in the paper and you know you 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 get all kinds of interesting replies. Um, who is that? Like the city paper? Is that the name of the yeah, the city pages? Yeah. And city pages, yeah, it's well, a famous actually, back then. I think it was called the sweet potato, oh, it yeah. changed its name to the city pages, and then there was also the Twin Cities Reader. And, um, I mean, there were you know, the number of, of females playing music in Minneapolis in the 80s, you know, it's probably less than 10 wow. um, that I can think of. And uh, uh, you just had to, to kind of like keep pushing, you know, and it was kind of cool because when I had put in the ad for um, looking for female musicians, um, this one woman, um, her name is, uh, she's, she had her own band called The Blue Up, Anna Voog. She also did a um, webcam thing way back in the 90s before it was really done. But, um, but she had just started her band that summer of 1985. So, so, you know, there was a network there to kind of meet people. And of course, Lori was around and I think Babes in Toyland started maybe in 86 or 87. Um, and then there were Zuzu's Petals. Oh, yeah, I remember them. I yeah. forgot about them. Came later. Of yeah. course, early to mid 80s, there was a band in Minneapolis called Tet Noir that, um, uh, that did all original music. And um, so they were also, uh, you know, we would also play with them and, and uh, kind of branch out, you know. Did you go out and see like the replacements and Huska doing those bands a lot before you yeah. started? Cause that was like late 70s, 84 is when the Let It Be record came out and that's when they really exploded. So were you, around that scene a lot yeah well they played um so before my band actually started uh i would go out and i would see them husker do 
Um, I had seen them probably back in 77 or 78 early (laughs) and, um, didn't really think much of them the very first time I saw them, um, because they were opening for the suburbs. And of course the suburbs were this big band you know with giant personalities and the skinny ties and the suit you know I mean they had the whole package yeah and Husker Du were like three guys who like you know just looked down (laughs) and they were all kind of grubby and stuff like that so you know in my in my young mind I I really wasn't fascinated yet by the by the the genius that was, you know, Grant Hart and Bob Mould and Greg Norton. Um, but yeah, so I saw them mostly, but they were getting pretty big by then. They weren't really playing. Like Husker Du wasn't playing the entry anymore. They were playing the main room. They were out touring. Um, and um when repl- you say the main room, you mean First Avenue? Oh, yeah. Yeah. First Avenue. I've been there, so I know it, but a lot of people are like, yeah. what? The main room? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and and um my like my peers or my my the the bands that were playing a lot currently when when we were playing. Um, that were, you know, Soul Asylum was getting really big. And um, there was other, there was also a band called Trip Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Which had um, Matt and Dan Wilson, the brothers. And and then Dan Wilson went on to form Semi-Sonic. So, and then there were other bands like the Widgets and and like I said, we played with Babes in Toyland and Zuzu's Petals. And um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, the replacements and, and Husker Du were a little bit before the time when when we were out playing. They were already established. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were yeah. big time. Um, it's amazing because you look at the Minneapolis scene and when what we everything you just said, it's a quality it's the quality, not the quantity, <laughs> right? There's might not be as many bands as other cities, but there's really good bands that came from that scene. There still yeah. are. And there's, you know, I think Minnesota is brutal in the winter. And so there's kind of this like pride, you know, <laughs> that, that you're going to be hauling your amp up you know, rickety, icy stairs, you know, to, to a show or, um, you know, it, it, it was just, it's like this point of pride that, you know, if we can get through these winters, we can pretty much do anything, you know? I was there in January once. I used to go on the road with a lot of bands when I worked for AM Records. I can't oh, remember. Nice. I think it might've been the Buzzcocks at the, uh, First Avenue with the Doughboys opening because wow. the Doughboys went through A and M and I'm pretty sure that was, but there was a woman there Mary Buzard you know Mary she worked for A and M she kind of showed me showed me around in fact we were at the club and Lori Barbero was there I remember this and I'm like you got to introduce me to Lori yeah 
<laughs> this is around 94. This is after babes kind of like went through their whole thing, you know, and I, I'd already got that book, you know, that Laurie wrote was fantastic, you know. So let's talk about the clams. Um, you said you started around 85. I know you guys put out like three singles and uh, you had a little buzz going. Now, something I have to ask you, because I just watched it this morning. You know, oh, Stillwater. <laughs> Is that really a state prison? Because I couldn't oh, yeah. tell. You can't tell by watching the video that you're actually in a state prison playing. But you guys were great. That was a really good set. I, I watched like four or five songs. Oh, thank you. Um, So, yes, it was Stillwater State Prison, which is um, a minimum security prison. I mean, um, and it's funny because it's called Stillwater State Prison but it's actually in Bayport in the town that I grew up in. Um, and so growing up next to the prison and they had, um, like I said, it was minimum security. So they had trustees that were able to like, you know, be out and about. Um, but I remember as a little kid, if the siren went off, that meant you had to go home because that meant that there was an escape. And did um, that happen a lot? I remember happening a couple times. Wow. The whole thing was though that if if someone was to escape from the prison, they're going to go straight across to to Wisconsin. They're not going to stick around in Bayport, you know. They're going to like take off. So. It was, you know, I mean, it was just kind of a normal thing. The parents are like, oh, yeah, you know, just make sure you come home when you hear the siren. You know, it was not really something that we were uh, worried about or even thought about. But anyway, um, so we found out about this gig through another band that we had played with a lot. Um they the the state prison the inmates in the summertime would raise money for um the muscular dystrophy you know it was it was um i mean and by raise money it was like they had a little carnival in the yard and a dunk tank and you know stuff like that and one of the things they got to do was have a couple bands um play and I'm pretty sure they didn't show the audience because maybe it was something that was not allowed. Oh, yeah, right. You that know? was a dumb question I asked. You're right. Plus, Why would they show the criminals? Yeah. <laughs> Plus, the thing that we thought was so funny is that they, you know, we would we would play a song and then they would all clap. And then they would just sit quiet for the next one. And, you know, I mean, we were thinking, oh, they're going to be all rowdy and crazy. But they were on their best behavior. And wow. it was probably because if they weren't, they wouldn't be able to, to do things like this. So and this was a men's prison, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how was it for an all female band to play in front of a crowd like that? You know, like I said, they were so kind and and very respectful. 
and uh we had a we had a great time and and they were you know a captive audience they couldn't go anywhere you know <laughs> um and then and then after you know this was in the middle of the summer and we were in this big hot like auditorium or maybe it was had been a lunchroom or something like that and um we went out and then um we all volunteered to to get in the dunk tank so they were really happy about well, that i'm sure they were <laughs> but um but yeah, no it um did you get dunked two years yeah i mean they you know we each took turns and you know they all lined up and and shot their you know whatever at the target um but we did it for two years in a row i think 87 and 88 but it was yeah it was really fun really nice experience um yeah it was great i mean it was weird going through you know the gates and then you know bringing our stuff through i mean it was weird kind of being behind gates and gates and and going in but but yeah it was fun it was so long ago oh my gosh <laughs> and for you people out there watching and listening right now you can find the whole show on youtube because i did that's how i it found is. it i just did the clams minneapolis search and there it was and yeah. i was like okay i gotta watch this um Okay, here's the tricky part of this story before we get to the, the, the whole comeback and everything. You just stopped playing, and it's kind of common knowledge that everyone knows now because the words got out that you didn't play for like 25 years. Mm -hmm. So what happened that made you just decide to stop playing? Was it, a, was it kids? Was it a job? I mean, what, what happened? Um. Because you're such a rocker, you know, and it just seems odd that you would just stop. Well, you know, I just, I had had some experiences that, um, that just kind of slowly affected me in a way that I just kind of shut down, um, you know, I had been out in New York and dealt with some people um, and came back and then played with some friends. And, and you know, then I, I, as I said before, I was a single mom, but then um, ended up getting married in 1993 and, um, and then had two little girls. And you know, I mean, you it's like nighttime is, is prime kid time. Yeah. You know, I get and, it. and I just couldn't even imagine wanting to play again. It seemed like such another world, like another person. It was really difficult to, um, to, to get the energy or the passion, um, and yeah, I just were, were I, you was, were you like still paying attention to the music scene or going to see bands or anything at all? Listen to the music. I mean, um, not not a whole lot 
in in a, an active way myself um my husband at the time was the general manager of first avenue oh though. okay so i still was able to see bands and and um meet a lot of people and um i mean those were the years that i got you know, Marianne Faithful came through and I got to meet her and got to meet Debbie Harry and, you know, met Jonathan Richmond and and just so many people. Um, so I was still kind of um, I mean, I, I was I was able to be a big, huge fan and um, but but really stepped away from not wanting to play or or anything. I'm really glad I didn't give away any of my equipment though. I just held on to it. But um yeah, I mean I I I still knew what was going on. I still loved listening to music and and listening to new things coming out, but I it was like those people were on the other side, yeah. you know. <laughs> so um when did something click for you and you said, "Okay, I'm going to get back into it now." Well, that was definitely during the pandemic. Um, the it it just felt like everything was so crazy, like the world could just end tomorrow. I mean, it was it was crazy. I mean, the world was going through something that we'd never experienced before, and and um. I mean, I've been working this full-time job at the university and of Minnesota. Yeah. University. Of I Minnesota. love that campus. I've been there. It's a great campus. Yeah, It's beautiful. Yeah. And basically all I was doing was working because there was really nothing else to do. And it just felt like I need to have something in my life that, that nourishes me and something that um makes me feel like you know i'm i'm contributing to the world and so and a couple other people that i knew um there's this one musician bryn arns who had the band flip and he um he was kind of nudging me he's like you know you got to play again and so I uh I started writing some songs and then I played with a few people and uh Jerry Lefkowitz is a an amazing guitar player that I had worked with when I came back from New York and he had remained a really good close friend and and so I said well let, let's get together and play just for fun and we recorded music um at it's called Dreamhog Studios, run by Steve Price, who is an amazing musician. He was in a band called Rex Daisy. He also plays with the Suburbs now, um, and he plays with a band called Trailer Trash, which is a huge band here in Minneapolis. Um, and uh, so we recorded just a couple songs, and and I put them out on Bandcamp. And that's when 
Um, I, I met uh, Georgia Conley Raman and Travis Raman, who, um, you know, they're, they're big musicians, Miss Georgia Peach. I was um, getting, I was going to ask you how yeah. you got hooked up with Lou and you're, you're answering the question for me. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, um, Georgia said, you got to send this stuff to Lou and um, he'll love it. And, you know, so, so she's completely instrumental in, in making that connection. And um, I ended up recording a few more songs and then Lou said, I'll put it out on, on Rumbar. So that's when New Tricks came out um, in 2022. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And it's just been super super fun and and really amazing to to have music that that was like an idea in my mind and then it ends up being played and other people listening to it I mean that's just a crazy concept you know it's so great <laughs> um did whose idea was it to re-release or to put out the clams collection CD? oh that was that was all Lou so he just asked you if you had every, because mm -hmm. that's a great, uh, great compilation. I love, love, love your version of We're an American Band. Yeah. <laughs> There's just something special about hearing a women, hearing all women do that song, you know, it's fantastic. We, you know, the, the thing about the Clams is we were a great live band. We had so much fun. Um. We didn't have any management though that would would have probably pushed us into writing and recording more. So we put out two two seven inch singles and then we put out an EP. So I'm I'm imagining that if we had had a manager or someone kind of guiding us, they would have said, "You got to get more product out." We were just having so much fun playing. And it's such an immediate gratification to play live, whereas writing and recording is the hard stuff. You know, it's the I, stuff you got to work on. But that stuff is really lasting, you know, whereas a live show, it's like, well, you had to be there, you know. But no, we we had so much fun and we would just do ridiculous covers like we're an American band and Sweet Jane, I remember was on yeah, there. And Sweet a couple Jane. Other... That was yeah. a great one. You're just yeah. showing your love for American rock and roll. I, I like oh, it. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um New Tricks. I'm not the only one was the first single off that, but I want to and which is really good by the way, but I wanted to talk to you about the devil in the details. Yeah. Um, because the video for that is great. Oh, thank uh, you got you. the barbershop, the record store. What's the backstory on that video? Because really well done. Um, well, the cool thing is that my son directed it. That's oh. what my son. He's a, he's a filmmaker, um, Corey Lawson. He lives out in LA now. He, he directed it. Um, John Clifford, who's the tall uh, hair cutter, hairdresser. Um, he's a very great 
Minneapolis music booster. He's got his shop downtown called Hi-Fi Hair and Records. So he's got oh. a beauty salon right, and a record store. That's fantastic. Yeah. And he collects. I mean, he, he I saw that whole thing together. It's an amazing place. He's a huge booster of, of Minneapolis bands. He's a fantastic person. And I came to him with this idea. Can we use your place? Can we, um, can you be in it? Can you play my love interest? Um, and, and then, um, you guys have uh, a nice dance at the end of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then, um, my, my daughter and, um, um, a couple other friends are in the, in the video. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, it was, it was very, very cool. It was a very cool day. And, and I'm really proud of that video. And you folks out there have to check the video out. It's really cool. And that room is and the, I didn't realize that the barbershop and the record store were the same place. It was yep. really neat. Really yeah. neat. No, it's really cool. He, um, yeah, he's, he's just the best and, um, and, uh, just a very kind person, really, uh, really wonderful, really talented guy. He's put on, um, they have a loading dock in the back of the building and he puts on shows in the summer back there and, and hundreds of people come you know, and, and watch the bands and yeah. It's, Is that right in Minneapolis? That's right in downtown Minneapolis. Um, oh. Hi-Fi Hair and Records. Yeah. You got to look it up. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'd say. Um, and I know that you put out a Christmas uh, single last year too. Cause I remember getting Lou, Lou and I are very good friends. Oh you know, yeah. So I get all his stuff and I was curious. I've been curious for a while about Cindy Lawson. I'd yeah. heard of the clams. I heard about the clam. Everyone did, you know, you guys were like a underground garage rock band that people knew about, you know, um, so this is interesting because if it did come out yesterday, because it's, I mean, today's November 16th, the show obviously is not airing live, but your new record um, EP, Don't Come Crying to Me, came out yesterday? Yeah, see, I I was just, I, you know, when when I was trying to keep track of everything because I also have CD Baby that um, distributes it digitally and then I've got Bandcamp and then you know I've got Lou and his whole thing and then our actual record release party is the 22nd you know next week drinks giving and um uh I I put 1115 in some places and 1116 in other places and then realized my mistake and then thought fuck it I'll just put it out on the 15th. So I just, I pulled the trigger yesterday. And so, yeah, so now it's available everywhere. <laughs> well, I've been checking it out. It's great. Cause that, that's oh. the beautiful thing about Bandcamp. You know, you can go there and listen to the songs, you know, and uh, I love, love the single. Uh, it's tight. It's a killer track. It's really good. And um, what, what's next? I mean, what do you what do you plan on doing now that you got? A, a, I mean, all of a sudden you went from like 
mom and college job and you know all that to now you're a rock star again so what's going to happen now well i it's i i kind of feel lucky because i get to pave my own way as a 62 year old rock star right. you know um i i feel really fortunate um to be playing with three guys that are totally into it and and up for playing we we do out of town shows and they're really fun green bay is an amazing place to play really um Wait a minute. are you living are you i didn't ask you are you, are you living in minneapolis now yep, are you i'm still in minneapolis how yeah. far are you from green bay oh my gosh it's like it's it's a hike. It's like four and a half hours or Not so. Bad. Um, but yeah, um, Green Bay is a great place to play. Um, Tom Smith out there with UFO, um, UFO uh museum and record store. And then we've been down to the octopus in Cedar Falls, which is a great bar um owned by Idaho. Idaho, right? No, no, no. Um, Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> Sorry, um, I always get Idaho and Iowa mixed up. Yeah, potatoes. Which you, one has the potatoes? Must, you must remember the band House of Large Sizes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, the octopus is owned by Dave and Barb. Oh, um, nice. And they uh, they have a great uh, a great bar down there. So we played there. Um. Yeah, I it's. I I obviously want to keep playing. I want to do. I want to get out to the East Coast, um, and play next summer. Um, I want to record some more. Um, yeah. I just I want to keep going for for as long as I can. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's a great story. It's a great yeah. story. Thank um, you. Do you listen to a lot of music now? Do you listen to a lot of new bands, or I mean, what are you listening to? Yeah, I I love. Um, there's there's so much good music in Minneapolis locally. There's so many good bands. Um, of course, you know, you know, BB Galini, which oh, yeah. is just Georgia and Travis's band. Um, plus, there's a band that we've played with a lot called Annie and the Bang Bang, and they're great. Um, there's the two bands that I'm playing with um, at the record release, uh, Spit Takes, who have a, a single out that's uh, called Teeth that's been on the that Radio Alliance charts they're getting play with that and they're playing with us and surly girly who are just this you know kind of like the slits kind of this crazy you know confrontational punk rock band um so we've we've just been you know we we just have this in minneapolis you could go out every night of the week to see a band to see an original band that's you great. Know? And and we're just we're just so lucky. We're just really, really lucky. Well, you just did a great commercial for the Minneapolis music. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, we we are just um, 
so uh there there's and and it the the age range of people playing i mean like surly girly you know they're in their 20s and then there's other bands that are up you know my vintage like the silver teens who just released a, a full album those guys you know 60s and uh it's like yeah we got we got we got it all here <laughs> well well you know cindy thank you for taking the time to talk to me really great story i'm happy for you i hope you keep making music it sounds like you're gonna be making music so yeah maybe we'll see you on the east coast one of these days oh i'd love to all right thank, thank you so much for having me about that huh cindy lawson knows how to rock man that song was called screaming white jesus that you just heard after the interview um 
This story kind of reminds me a bit of our recently departed friend, Justine Kovalt, who also took about a 25-year break and then came back and rocked our asses off. I love these kind of stories. I really do. Uh, check out Cindy Lawson's new EP, Don't Come Crying to Me. It's out on Rumbar Records, of course, and you can find that on Bandcamp. It's probably up everywhere right now, but I would suggest going to Bandcamp and buying it. You can actually buy individual tracks on there as well if you if you want. I've done that myself. So it's a pretty cool place to get. Not a pretty cool, a fantastic place to get music. Okay, don't change Bandcamp or I'll be pissed off. A lot of people will. Don't change. Stay the way you are. All right. Speaking of not changing, don't change the dial and also consider supporting this podcast on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Twisted Rico. You can reach me anytime at twistedrico at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook a YouTube page, a threads page. On that YouTube page, by the way, you can, well, I say this every week, you know what I'm going to say, right? You can actually watch the Zoom interview I did with Cindy Lawson. All right. And then I also say this, we have a TikTok page at Twisted Rico. Check that out for clips and other noteworthy things. I'm not sure about the noteworthy part, but check it out. All right. This has been fun. It's fun every week, twice a week. Um, that's going to do it this time. Tune in soon for another episode. Until the next time we say goodbye, this is Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. Keep the rock and roll alive.